Welcome to our first Paranormal Dungeon segment, where JC will be searching a real-life paranormal entity and comparing it to the Dungeons & Dragons equivalent. We've gotten such a great response to our TTRPG episodes of Cord vs. Cryptid that we decided to let JC have a bit of fun as well. But before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Cord. You look a bit upset there, buddy. What's up? Ugh! I just want to relax under the soft light of a candle and read about Bigfoot, and I can't find anything that doesn't smell like I'm in the middle of a field of lavender. Well, bud, you need to check out the Smell of Fear Candle Company. The Smell of Fear caters to those of us who love all forms of horror, cryptids, and more. May is Marauding Monsters Month. My personal favorite is the Unstoppable Titan of Terror, a Godzilla-inspired candle with the scent of sea salt, gunmetal, and ozone. Just the thing to light up while watching one of my favorite kaiju movies. Ah, the Sasquatch candle. Smells like I'm right in the woods with them. Redwood and a hint of musk. Nice. Smell of Fear Candles offers a unique fragrance experience like no other. Each candle scent is carefully researched to bring out the best qualities of your favorite horror characters and films, such as The Mummy, Dracula, and even Jaws. Ooh. I'm definitely grabbing one of their Sinister Skull candles. A colored glass skull with matching themes like red for the vampire, black currant, and absinthe scented. Sweet. If you're in desperate need of ghoulishly good candles, head on over to thesmellofear.com to check out what scents are currently available. Our listeners can add code SPOOKY at checkout for a special 15% discount on any purchase. You can follow on Instagram at Smell of Fear Candles for updates on new monthly scents and themes. That's Smell of Fear Candles for those who burn brightly on the dark side. Spooky. We're going to try something new for, for our listeners. This is an idea of mine, and I did the research, and I did the story. So this is, a, like, let's say 97% me, so obviously you're going to like it. Um <laughs> nice. You're welcome. So so the concept is we're going to take the like a real world paranormal thing, entity, item, something, and then compare it to the closest D and D thing as well. For this episode, we're going to go simple and we're going to do a ghost. What is a ghost in real life versus what is a ghost in D&D? And then which one rather I have to deal with? If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what a ghost is, well, you came to the right place. We have a whole episode on this (laughs) called Ghost 101. (laughs) And I'm also going to go over some basics here. Webster's Dictionary defines a ghost as an (laughs) apparition... <laughs> I'm a 12 year old. I know. <laughs> An apparition of a dead person, which is believed to appear or become manifest to the living, typically as a nebulous image. I, I don't know words. Nebulous. Sure, yeah. The D&D summary of a ghost. Now, this is going by 5. E rules just just so we all we're all on the same page yeah if you're using anything other than 5e what just get your life together a ghost is the soul of a once living creature bound to haunt a specific location creature or object that held significance to its life of those definitions i prefer the D one i think that's actually a better definition of a ghost imo 
I like it better. Now we're going to talk about the creation of each. For real world ghosts, we're not like a hundred percent sure because like D&D, it's known there were gods. It's known there's an afterlife. It's known it is common knowledge that there are supernatural entities that help control the universe. We don't have that in the real world, so we're not like a hundred percent sure where ghosts come from. But most ghost stories fall into two basic categories. There's residual hauntings or intelligent hauntings. Residuals are, it's a moment that's captured. Uh, usually it's a very traumatic moment in that area's history. And it replays itself over and over whenever a certain trigger happens. Now the trigger can be time related. It could be whenever someone comes into the home. It could be when a, a certain person comes into the scene, whatever. But the Spirits do not interact with the living people. They're redoing that moment every time. They're just redoing a scene. Whereas an intelligent haunting can and probably will interact with you. Some intelligent ghosts have been known to do like quote unquote good things. Whereas others, others, they're a little more scary. A little more spooky, some would say. You know, some might just pop by and be like, see ya. Just wanted to say goodbye. Others might just be like, no, this is my home and I don't want anyone else here. And they will do their best to defend their home from the living or from anything as long as they can. That's the creation, in my opinion, from the research I did as to where real world ghosts come from. Now, in D&D, a ghost yearns to complete some unresolved task from its life. It might seek to avenge its own death, to fulfill an oath, or to relay a message to a loved one. A ghost might not even realize that it has died and continue the everyday routine of its life. Others are driven by wickedness or spite, as with the ghost that refuses to rest until every member of a certain family or organization is dead. So similar to the real world ghost, but it's more of like a puzzle for your players to solve. The DM will place a ghost in a scenario and you have to figure out how to resolve the underlining issues as to why that ghost is there. You might have to resolve its death, bring the person who killed it to justice. You might have to just relay a message to a loved one. Usually the DM will then hide clues throughout the haunted house that you will have to figure out with your party and... I mean, I just burned down the houses in D&D. But yeah, so that's kind of where each one comes from in their worlds. In the real world, they have strengths and weaknesses. For strengths, as far as we can tell, they are immune to most of, if not all, common human weapons, such as guns, swords, and even possibly nukes. <laughs> I've never oh, personally thrown a nuke at a ghost. We need to mention that... The quote on what a ghost is in D&D &D 5e comes from D&D &D Beyond. Oh, yeah, it's directly from the Monster Manual. Yeah, it's also, it is also available right on like D&D &D Beyond. Going on with their strength, what else can they do? So they're immune to most weapons, if not all. They can go through solid objects. They can also interact with those objects when they choose to. They can cause cold spot and make noises and smells. Finally... I think a ghost's biggest strength is their ability to cause a living person to go insane with doubt. Oh, I, am, I, am I being haunted or am I just insane? 
you see a lot in horror movies and then they finally realize that they're not insane and there is some supernatural entity fucking with them so for weaknesses they do not usually like holy objects from my research it doesn't necessarily matter which religion those objects come from just that the object is holy or in some cases unholy i mean i would say that was only if they were bad ghosts well that's why i put in the caveat are unholy objects because good ghosts wouldn't like unholy gotcha okay they also have to draw energy from their surroundings in order to gain essentially the energy or power to interact with objects or make noises and then this draw of energy can be used to detect their presence you know like oh my flashlight that i just put new batteries in is is dead there must be a ghost around burning sage and that's a native american one one way that native americans have suggested mm -hmm. of course we get into like the whole are you getting your sage from somewhere that is reputable as in like they regrow it because i know that's a huge problem today just thought i'd mention that yes i don't really is. use sage that much for that reason the sage i've used i've gotten from a local place and they grow it in their own garden there you go way to do it also salt circles or salt all right supernatural yeah look it's part <laughs> of their lore in real world i can't I i'm sorry that the writers of super like the they also use this information. I know. I'm just I'm, um, I'm just saying it because I know you don't like that show. <laughs> yeah. They, for some reason, do not like having their picture taken or being <laughs> captured on any camera at all or really providing any scientific evidence of their existence. It's kind of a weakness because, like, then we have to argue all the time about if they even exist. Sometimes, if you just yell at them, they'll go away. I would prefer people not to yell at ghosts, though. We're, we're definitely trying to get away from that concept of, like, you know, I'm going to punch you in the face, ghost. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get away from the whole idea of punching ghosts in the face. I think that's just rude. JC, however, I know that you still very much want to punch ghosts in the face. Yes. Ghost um, punchers. <laughs> ghost punchers. Mm -hmm. But um, specifically, I was referring to, like, a story... I heard, I don't know the accuracy of it, but where a ghost was bothering a person's house and the mother of that house stood in the middle, like after a serious incident, the mother of the house stood in the like middle of the room that the incident happened in and she screamed, this is my fucking house, get the hell out of my house type deal thing. And then everything went back to normal. Like sometimes you just need to assert yourself with certain entities. Yeah. Got it. Okay. What else you got? I got two other ways you can supposedly... Okay. Possibly throw, get rid of a ghost. Throw right? them at me. That's that's all I got for, for real world ghosts. Burning a white candle can sometimes help. And uh, apparently white roses. Now that's one. This is one that I just recently heard about. So I'm like, hmm. I get that white is the positive energy. Like the color of the candle. That's why it's, it's a white candle. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, I've heard about flowers in general. Like that placing flowers and i've heard this from other witches by the way that if you have an issue and you place a vase of flowers especially in the room where you're having the issue and those flowers die really fast i mean we all know that cut flowers don't last long anyway but i mean like super fast like you get them to the store you put them in they look great and like the next day dead sometimes that's an indication that there could be some negative energy within the room 
So I think that that's where the idea of the white roses come from, because you're also supposed to get rid of those flowers, or in this case, the roses immediately after they're dead, just get rid of them and then just keep putting them back in the room. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of the uh, white roses. I think I have heard of the white candle. One of the D&D, yeah, the D&D strengths and weaknesses. Give it to us, Chasey. So their strengths for D&D uh, fifty is undead nature. Now, this is all, once again, from the dungeon, uh, the monster manual for our D&D Beyond 5th So they have undead nature. So they are an undead creature. They are ghostly manifestations. They have ethereal sight, incorporeal movement, withering touch, etheralness, horrifying visage, and possession. Those are pretty like, uh, you know, I'd much rather fight a goblin in D&D than a ghost. They're not something to, you know, just wave a f- of torch at. They're going to fuck your day up. They can ruin a party. I like a lot of that stuff. Actually, possession is fun. I had a little bit of a side mission for a ghost story in a campaign last year. And I used that as a way of the ghost trying to communicate with one of the players so that they could tell kind of like their tale, which mm-hmm. uh, which was that, that they had been murdered and they wanted someone to know that they had been murdered and who did it that was kind of funny to be like yeah the ghost is following you yeah it seems like it really wants to talk to you yeah you know i i can't remember exactly how i worded it but i managed to get him to actually allow the possession which was pretty funny (laughs) because then they were mad (laughs) but i was like trust me it's fine it's not it Nothing's going to happen. You're not going to walk off into like, you know, oblivion or off of a pier and drown. That's nothing like that. Don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. It's always sad when the DM says that because people are like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not really here to kill you. To wreck your day. I'm here to kill your characters. Right. So weaknesses. Yeah. Yes. As far as weaknesses go, clerics and paladins would be a heck of a place to start. Ghosts are undead. So just about all of the clerics and paladins undead spells would uh, fuck a ghost up. So if you're like a probably fifth or sixth level priest or paladin, ghosts aren't much of a problem for you. You've already moved past that crap. So then we just move into general magic users can also just mess up a ghost. Most of the magic users have some form of ghost deterrent, let's say. Do you ever play magic users? Not often. Usually I'm more of a sword or axe guy. Right. So ghosts have a lot of damage immunities. Are we aware of that? Also a lot of condition immunities. Yeah, yeah. But like there's still usually something a a wizard or a sorcerer. Set it on fire. It's fine. It's not it's not immune to uh, well, okay, it it does have resistance to fire, but still set it on fire. <laughs> yeah, like, you can still do stuff. Whereas, like, in the real world, I do not have that ability. God, I wish I did. To throw fireballs at things. Because if oh. I did, oh, God, everything so would be on fire. <laughs> and I'd be there with the s'mores and the beer, just watching it burn. Uh, it'd be fun. Going, that's my boy. You burn that shit to the ground, son. <laughs> so even in, in D&D, you can just give somebody a plus two magic sword and then all of a sudden they can fuck up a ghost. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it is. I know, I read. 
you might not like help the ghost move on or quote unquote re-kill the ghost, but the ghost might just be like, oh, this isn't worth my fucking time to fuck with these people. I'll wait for the next group to come through. I'll just vanish for a little bit. Oh no. The best way though is to solve the puzzle that is associated with the ghost, whatever that reason is or what that, you know, scenario is, and to help the ghost move on into the afterlife. Because once again, in D&D, there is a 100% confirmed afterlife. There's no blind faith like we see in the real world. Gods exist. They're, they're definitely up there. Every now and then they come down and just throw a fucking mountain on our cities in front of us. They give special people fucking powers. Yeah, but you can still be an atheist in the world of D&D. You can just be like... Nah, I think it's just a bunch of crap. I feel like that's more, it's not necessarily an atheist because atheists don't believe in, in gods. You, right. It'd be more of an agnostic where it's like, yeah, they're fucking there. I just don't care. No, I'm saying you could be, you could be an atheist in D&D. Don't, don't put people in a box, JC. Like literally. So you, I you can, but everyone's going to view you as a fucking weirdo because they'll be like, <laughs> I no, like I saw a god three days ago walking through town. Like, ev we made a big deal about it. He came and he shook hands with the king and the new king. And he was like, Dude. yeah, I bless this entire city. That three days my, ago that happened. That is my next NPC for my next... <laughs> he, he is going to be a fucking atheist and deny all of it is all going to be like a conspiracy theory. It's going to be like, no, it's just magic. It's all it is. It's just the wizards fucking with our brains. That's where I wear my tinfoil hat. You do you. But. I'm <laughs> saying that was funny. My new character does not believe it. You're going to have to get out. Mm -mm. God, that'd be so much fun. You just gonna piss on everybody's cereal. I mean, sure. But until you meet a cleric, that's like, I'm sorry. You said what? <laughs> And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, uh, oh, Mr. Paladin gonna, over here. You're not going to heal this me because say? I just don't believe. I mean, the fuck? Oh, it's not that they're not going to heal you. It's that they're just going to damage you. <laughs> because not every priest and or paladin is a good guy. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. There are dark paladins. And then you're going to be like, oh, yeah, your God doesn't exist. Tell I'm me sorry. What the fuck did you just say to me? Yeah, that, that doesn't exist. I am telling you, God, that would be a great character because they would be in just so much trouble all the time. Yeah, you would have religious orders hunting down your character because you're an <laughs> asshole. Not even like because you're a real threat. Just like that person needs to be extinguished <laughs> because they're fucking wrong. Everyone would view you like we view anti-vaxxers. <laughs> It'd be a challenge. Challenge You would be accepted. the anti-vaxxer of a D&D world. That'd be so is, funny. Is that really something you want to do? When I'm the DM, hell yeah. It's, it's one of the NPCs that follows the group around and is like, you know, like they have to help this asshole. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, help them get into a, like a psych ward. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll just take you oh, to God. a temple. 
and ask Maliki to come down and say hello. Like she'll fucking do it. Like she she comes down like once every two weeks. It's it's calm. It's like <laughs> whatever. Oh goodness. <laughs> Just yeah. to replant some trees. Bitch really likes planting trees. What what's you gonna do? You know, <laughs> cut him down. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't do that because <laughs> she'll get mad. Oh my god, yes. And like he does stuff like that all the time, but not necessarily on purpose. He's just like, like whatever. He's like, I'm just gonna chop the street down. Druids are like, what? <laughs> In our sacred grove? I'm, what's so sacred about it? I needed some wood. I had to start a fire. What? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and then the literal avatar of Maliki appears and just stomps on him. And there goes the character. And I just go, it's an illusion. I believe in magic. I just don't believe that you're really God. <laughs> that is like some hardcore dwarf bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, ghosts are... Um... So now it comes to which one would I rather deal with? Mm. Like, if I was a character living in the D&D world, would I want to deal with that ghost? Or would I want to deal with a real-world ghost as a person in the real world? And honestly, I would rather be in the real world dealing with a real-world ghost because I feel like they're significantly less of an actual threat and I can just yell at them and they'll go away. We can't even get them on camera to prove that they're real. Yeah. So it's like, uh, whereas in the D&D world, yeah. um, they're going to fuck your day up. Like, do you want to see a horrifying visage? No, no, I don't. I don't want that at all. Do you want to take 17 necrotic damage with withering touch? No, I don't want to literally die from seeing a ghost. Lots of people in the real world have seen a ghost and not died. And not died. Yeah. They didn't even take damage. They were a little scared, but then they were like, oh, fuck, let's get a camera, guys. Oh, it already disappeared. So, yeah, I'd much rather deal with a real world ghost than a D&D ghost. Also, I'm not the best with uh, puzzle solving, so. Uh... It requires too much reading, right? Well, it's not necessarily that. It's that I always think of interesting ways around the puzzle, like. Burning it or smashing it. The door is locked. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to try and unlock it. Oh, uh, you failed. Okay. Well, I have a pickaxe, so I'm just going to go through the wall. <laughs> if that door doesn't want to open up, I'm going to make my own. <sighs> I think, though, that um, D&D from the Monster Manual has done a pretty decent job of translating Ghost into the game. I know if you want to play a Ghost, though, there is a homebrew from Warlock homebrew you find them on patreon too but i did check out warlocks homebrew.blogspot.com and they have not posted anything since january of last year so i don't know if they've just kind of like taken a hiatus or you know taking a break but um they've got a decent homebrew for playing a ghost i went through quite a bit because it honestly it never occurred to me to even be able to play a ghost like, you know how there's a lot of different versions of even like fairies, for example, which, of course, is something we may talk about as well down the road. But even, you know, D&D &D has a version of fairies that you can play or and they have now versions of like centaurs and things like that that you can play. But homebrew, as far as playing a ghost, I could not find very much that was literally a ghost. There's a ghost rogue, which is kind of cool. There's a ghost knight that was kind of cool. But Warlock was the only one that had an actual homebrew that that fit into that category. FYI. I would say it'd be hard to like play a ghost in D&D because you're tied to a person, place, or thing. Not necessarily. 
Um, where, I'm sorry, where's where's the definition? Uh, bound to haunt a specific location, creature, or object that held significance in its life. Right there, sorry. No, so no. Ev everybody knows that the rules of what's on the D&D website or in the Master Manual are simply guidelines. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Now, that being said, what I was meaning by not necessarily, not necessarily difficult to play, because what if you're tied to a piece of jewelry, for example, then one of the PCs, right? This could be an M this could be played as an NPC too by the DM. You know, they have the piece of jewelry and the ghost is with them the whole time because they have the jewelry or mm -hmm. perhaps they're connected directly to the person or perhaps they help defend a, uh, a location like a home base because they're tied to the home base. So yeah, There's you can have lots those things, of really but cool to play that as a character is because, like, okay, yeah, you're you tied to a, a person or an object, so you're you're tied yeah. to something that travels, right? But you're not the one that's really traveling. You don't have control over the travel. Whoever's holding the object or whoever you're attached to has control over where the fuck you go. Right, but I still think that's a really interesting challenge for a player character to do that. So if they really want to play a ghost and they want to be attached and they want to be attached to something, they could do it like how I just said. Or you can say, fuck the rules because that's what homebrew is all about and just be like, I'm, uh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Just saying, just saying. I mean, I guess, I guess that is an option. <laughs> But you're then like, you're not really playing D and D anymore. Yes, you are. So, so if you're okay, so if yes. you start playing, let's say Risk, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, not the same thing at all. No, no, it's no, it's no. a game no. with rules. The rules are there simply to help guide you. Now, keep in mind that the ghost monster is what's being explained. If you're going to create a ghost character, it's different. That's why homebrew exists. This is why I don't get along with a lot of D&Ders. Oh my god, dude, you cannot be a rules bastard. <laughs> Come on, man. You gotta think outside the box just a little tiny bit. But then you're no longer playing a ghost. You're playing like a specter or some other form of undead creature. You're still... Oh, but boy. you're not like a ghost. You're outside of the bounds of what makes a ghost a ghost. Again, I mean, you know, Jeremy Crawford himself will tell you these are guidelines to help you but have fun you know just do whatever true whatever i do i do follow the, i do subscribe to that as long as everyone at the table is having fun enjoying themselves and you know telling a story of some kind so really quickly because i don't feel like having to do an actual separate thing about this it actually falls perfectly with Candlekeep mysteries that came out a few months ago i've played several of them and they do include a couple of ghost stories so I want to just touch on that real fast. Book of the Raven is inside Candlekeep Mysteries. And that's one where there's ghosts involved. And it's kind of cool because if you're kind of maneuvering around through that adventure, your player characters are, are going to either find the ghosts or not. So that's kind of neat. It doesn't, you know, you can go either way. And then Sarah of Yellowcrest Manor was a lot of fun to play. And with both of these, I kind of smoosh them into my world that i've created so just neat ways of having a ghost ghost story both of them involve haunted locations and ironically the sarah of yellowcrest manor story involves ghosts who show up 
outside of the place that they're actually connected to. So that's why I say even D&D itself kind of bends the rules a little bit to, you know, kind of fit into different kinds of stories. It's neat. It's pretty cool. So far, overall, I would say thumbs up to Candlekeep Mysteries if you guys are thinking about possibly buying it. I would say yes. So there you have it, folks. JC would much rather take on a real-life ghost. Thanks for joining us on this little side quest, and... We'll see you next time in the Paranormal Dungeon.